Hi, and welcome to Hack the Net, where every week we provide the internet with the hottest takes on the coldest news stories. I'm Matt Heron. I'm Jeff. I'm Louisa Heron. I realized I always nod um, supportively while you're getting through that sentence. Mm, I can <laughs> Which feel you it. you can't see. Okay, good. You have yeah, to start vocalizing it. slightly, going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Matt but, hates that. Matt hates that so much. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Well, it, it always throws off my rhythm yeah. when somebody's like, because I have, I have very strong feelings about interrupting people while they're speaking, which causes me a lot of uh, problems in my life in general, but I'm not going to compromise my morals. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I'm talking and someone else starts talking, I stop because I don't want to talk over them, but then I... F- then uh, if they're just making affirming sounds, then that's not a good uh, conversation anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Are your very strong feelings that no one should interrupt you and you should interrupt everyone? (laughs) Got him. Got him. (laughs) (laughs) I think the opposite. That's the problem is that like, there are people I've thought, I'm sure I've talked about this on the podcast before, but there are so many people in this world whose default state is to keep talking until somebody else interrupts them. Yeah. And I will never do that. So then Mm. I feel like I'm trapped in these horrible forever listening to somebody repeat themselves over and over again conversations. Yeah, I know how that is. You need some quiet sometimes. Which is basically what uh, this podcast is as well, if you think about it. Yeah. But it's good. There's always two of us. I I forget how to do all of it. Yeah. It's good that there's two of us to always keep talking and interrupting each other, and the third one can just kick back for a minute and relax. Oh, that would be nice, yeah. Oh, that's the a problem dream. Is that, the problem is that I want to be the one talking whenever uh-huh. possible, you know? Have you considered carrying around a really small air horn, like the, the kind that go on keychains? I mean, at, why small? If you're going to okay. do I mean, it, you true. might as well go for it. That's true. It's good podcasting, too. Well, we had we tried to introduce the ham horn as the fourth oh guest <laughs> a long time ago. I love that ham horn so much. <laughs> yep. I feel like uh, noise canceling has gotten so good that people can't uh, introduce loud sounds to podcasts anymore because it just cuts those right out. Yeah, and that's a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, a no, bad thing I sometimes. I miss the days of yore when when a phone could ring during a podcast and all the other guests would absolutely roast whoever's Mm -hmm. phone Mm -hmm. did it yeah i mean it really put that jump scares podcast in the toilet (laughs) yeah all the jump scares got got noise canceled right out of it that's why i had to cancel creepy pods to i thought you were saying you couldn't do jump scares if someone's phone went off but that is the (laughs) biggest jump scare of all black mirror yeah you're like oh god is someone calling me yeah I, I will never understand how cold calling is still a thing. Like, I get the, you know, capitalist dystopian nightmare we're all living through means that people do stuff that is bad for them and bad for you and bad for the world because somehow someone is doing an accounting trick to make it still profitable for them specifically. However, it can't possibly work anymore. I've, like, the idea that you would answer the phone to a number you don't recognize if they don't leave a voicemail is, like, mind-boggling to me. I will answer the phone if I get to it in time, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm annoyed every single time. Hmm. But, like, 
I want to, I, I want to behave as if I live in the the version of the world that I wish to live in. Interesting. Tell me more about this. One so, where people are calling you to offer you money. <laughs> one like where there's a person calling me, and they're calling me for a reason, and it's mm. not someone in a call center who says hello i'm from the student loan department here to talk to you about your student loan Mm -hmm. which is i'll sometimes like real benefit of the doubt be like okay what agency are you calling from Mm -hmm. and they'll go the student loan department and i'll be like that's not a thing i'm sorry and then hang up yeah yeah a lot of times Go ahead. No, I've been getting a lot of texts lately that are like, hey, you have a credit of $2,400 for whatever bullshit reason. But they're using the letter O for some of the zeros, I think, because uh, phone or provider algorithms are like looking for unsolicited calls that mention money. But if you have to do that, why would I ever click on it? I can tell you're, you're not even able to say the word $2,400. So there's something wrong there. Yeah, there's a weird... The internet scam culture is so bizarre because obviously it's just people trying to rip each other off, which is nothing new. But if you're smart enough to be able to spin up these fake websites and, you know, get trick people into buying, you know, $10 jeans that never actually ship or whatever... (laughs) Surely you could be making your money in a way that isn't as corrosive to your own soul, right? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I do admire how many scams are, like, uh, stealing or generating a picture of a beautiful young woman and then just just absolutely cold texting guys like, Hey, we met at the club last night and you never called me. Why not, pouty face? Because how many fucking guys are like, Oh my god, I'm sorry, baby, you're right. That seems to work so much. And the thing is... Have you ever heard of it working? (laughs) Yes, you see on Reddit, people will talk about the whole... They'll they'll describe things that happen to their friends and family. It works on men. Or especially their dads. Yeah, their lonely older dads. And the thing is, that's the ones we know about, but that's such a humiliating thing. How many do we not know about? I just think it's wild... Uh, one almost got me the other day because it was like somebody texted me like, hey, this is Candace. Like, mm-hmm. you know, th- this is my number or whatever. Like, I don't remember I had... going to Nigeria, but okay, I'll send you my bank account info. <laughs> Candace. <laughs> but I was just like, I, I felt like because, you know, this time of year I met a lot of like my wife's cousin's my partners wife. or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember their names. So... I was like, wait, could this be a real person? But obviously I didn't answer it. That's like, how they get you. That kind of thing I could see falling for momentarily. But the stuff that's like, hey, we met in the club last night, like blah, blah, blah. How often are people going to clubs that this is that they're falling for this? You know what I mean? I think a lot of them, you'll notice when people like post about how they t- try to like string one of these people along for comedy. They'll mm-hmm. say, I met you at the club. You don't remember me, pout? And then the person will be like, I wasn't at that club. And they'll be like, oh, well, I guess it was uh, someone else. They'll say it in a way that you or I would be like, this is bullshit, but apparently works, which is where they're like, oh, well, then I guess it wasn't you, maybe. But hey, what, what do you got going on? What's your deal? What's your name? <laughs> like, and that works somehow? 
Oh, fuck. Th- this is this is the root of what I'm saying is that it feels like that would be a lot of work to try to like yeah. improvise this conversation and stay one step ahead of the other person and get them to fall for it. And it just feels like if you put that much work into not into doing something not evil, you probably would make the same amount of money, you know? I don't know. If you're living in a country where they, they'll often ask for like money orders or something for like a thousand dollars to get a plane ticket. If you're living in a place in the world where $1,000 could be, you know, um, a month, six months, whatever, of income, talking to a guy for a few hours a day, that might not be such a bad deal, you know? Mm. I'm just saying, I can see how that's extremely worth it to some people. Yeah, I guess. I just, I feel like, you know, one con man running a scam like this or something, I get the mentality behind that. But these huge companies that spin up fake user accounts, fake reviews, fake oh, websites, yeah. fake order pages, and all this stuff, it just it can't be, I don't know. I guess it's so it, easy to do that, that if you get even a couple uh, suckers, it's worth it then. Yeah. yeah like if, but... if you, Matt, could write a little script for, I don't know, sending out emails or something, and you could write mm. that in under an hour, and you knew that maybe you would get... I don't know, $100 for that. Maybe you, you scam people out of $100. That might still be worth mm. it to you, right? If you're the right kind of person. By which I mean I the guess, wrong kind I, of person. I feel like if I could do that, there would be ways that I could do the same exact thing without lying and still probably make the same amount of money. Yeah, I that's if like you don't if you care just, about the lying. Yeah, but shouldn't you? I, I, I guess it's weird to me that there are people who are like, yeah, what I'm doing is evil. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. You know what I mean? I, I think, think you can that, tell yourself it's not evil. I I think the the context is somewhat important that like you don't really get in trouble for scamming people who don't yeah. have a lot of money. It's easier and more pro- it's like more profitable and definitely simpler to scam very rich people out of their money because rich people are stupid and have a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But you get in trouble if you get caught. Yeah. And then you and go you're... to prison like Bernie Madoff. He didn't make off at all. Mm-hmm. If you're uh, pretending to be some rich old white guy in America's uh, girlfriend and he's sending you these money orders, I feel like you might feel like that's a pretty fair trade. Because you you're not actually interested in this guy and he's so egotistical. He thinks that this picture of a model that you found somewhere is interested in him. Like maybe you feel like he gets what he deserves. I can see that. Yeah, I, I think those ones are variably immoral in a way that, uh, like, I do think that, like you said, the people who steal, uh, you know, TikTokers' images to sell knockoff products to mm. people who get bombarded with, you know, 500 different versions of the same ad on Instagram every day or whatever, like, that kind of stuff I can't imagine this whole organization of people who need to be in place in order to do all of those levels of that scam i can't imagine a making enough money to make it worth it and b that none of the people in that group are like hey this is pretty this is pretty shitty what we're doing you guys you know well i feel like most jobs people feel like what they're doing is pretty shitty but they need that money anyway Mm. yeah damn that's true (laughs) capitalism right uh Anyway, uh, God, it's been so long. Do we do news stories first or what we've been up to this week first? 
Jeff, you know. Don't uh, pretend. What have you been up to this week, Louisa? Uh, it was Thanksgiving week, and I traveled, and I saw friends, and it was wonderful. We ate wonderful food. But I saw the Lord of the Rings trilogy for the first time with them. Okay. Oh, so. for the first time, really? <laughs> yes, yes. That has... All right, so who yes. was your favorite orc? Um... I, want, I don't want to say the guy who's all, like, half his body's all, like, bubbled up weird lumps of flesh. But that's but you, the only but one that I can But that is remember. your favorite. Described all of the orcs. <laughs> I like the little, the guys who have, like, Skeksis faces and uh, their contacts are, like, orange or red, but they have, like, mm. cat eye pupils. Those are cool. Trick yeah. question. The right answer is the one Phil Lamar voices in the video games. Ratbag? Mm, I think Ratbag is his name. Yeah, Ratbag, yeah. Huh. That guy you, rules. like, get to know him in that game? Oh, yeah, no, he that's... becomes your friend. He does not become your friend, Jeff. <laughs> you scheme with him to, like, overthrow other nameless orc warlords. You huh. do end up killing him, though. Yeah, but you uh, kill you a lot of him. orcs. So you're the villain. Yeah. Mm. Kind of. Um, I mean, I don't think that that's the intent, but in those games, they had that nemesis system where, like, the leaders of all of the different platoons of orcs or whatever were, like, <laughs> in your mind palace, and you had to pick one to go take revenge on and kill them. And, like, that's that's not hero behavior, having a list of names. Yeah. Mordor doesn't think... need a hero, Matt. Mordor <laughs> needs a ranger possessed by, uh... Oh god damn. The ghost of a so, Celebrimbor. God yeah, damn it. Oh, he's uh, one of the featured players in Rings of Power. Yeah. They God, I watched he like has the a first regular episode. guy haircut. We've talked about this, but it's <laughs> weird that they had regular guy haircuts in the distant past and then in the more recent past. You don't know like, that no, it's the past long it hair. could be the future. Well, we know about Sauron coming to power, so it must be the past, right? I was Why? <laughs> Do you think he's coming to power again? And they, they forgot all about him? The second coming of power Sauron? Yet. In our world, Sauron hasn't appeared yet. Distant That's, future. Well, maybe. We don't know. So, you're saying between now, when we have normie haircuts, and the future when Sauron appears, we're all gonna get long, flat-ironed hair? Except for those of us who are real hipsters about it, and are like, yeah, I know that this normal haircut is ugly, but that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> I think uh, feel like that's what they were doing in the distant past, in this show. I know I've definitely talked about this before, but the fact that people have mullets now again yeah. and think that that's good yeah. is like... It is good. It means that you've... I feel like those people have broken their ability to know what's genuinely good versus what's ironically good. Yeah, agreed. No, if you're a hot person and you get a mullet, it makes you hotter. Here's incorrect. the thing. Incredibly <laughs> incorrect. Here's the thing. Anyone would look better with any haircut other than a mullet is the problem. So yes, when people are like, oh, but this attractive person has a mullet, it's like, yeah, they would look so much better if they didn't is the point, yeah. though. No, yeah. I, I I, think that intentionality, uh, like making a choice, is always the preferable option to always? me. Like, <laughs> like for the... For it it would have to be a really, really, really bad fashion choice for me to be like, I wish instead of you making that choice, you looked more generic. Jeff, in, in 10 the... years, teens are going to be making whatever you think is the worst thing that people in your high school wore. In 10 years, teens are going to be all over that. And you're going to be like, but this is bad, right? We all agree this is bad. And 
someone younger than you is going to be like, no, it's good, actually. <laughs> this trend is coming <laughs> back. Hmm. Yeah, something to think about. Yep. Um, on the most recent season of Halloween Baking Championship, or whatever it's called, uh, one of the contestants is an Australian woman who has a very complicated haircut and tattoos, like, all over everywhere. Mm -hmm. And one of the tattoos she has on her face is just the word family. Oh, man. So don't tell me that just making a choice (laughs) is attractive. (laughs) Family. I don't know. I think if it's a... I think if it's a a temporary choice... A haircut or a, better, yeah. a oh, haircut yeah. or an outfit is like you could you know play around with it. A tattoo that's forever. That's got to work with every haircut and outfit you get forever. Yeah. I don't know, man. Because while your while your haircut is temporary, if I see you wearing a mullet, that's how I'm going to think of you for the rest of time, regardless of what you do with your hair. Yeah, that don't, is kind of true, isn't it? Yeah. Don't remember yeah. me like this. Remember me with the mullet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how I'm going to remember you if I've ever seen you with a mullet. Uh, so, I will say, I mean, yeah, uh, my brother looks bad with a mullet, um, mm-hmm. but he does live in Florida, so it probably helps him fit in. I think the thing about mullets that's wrong mm-hmm. that we all know on an, like an animal instinctual level is wrong is that it is it has all of the downsides of your hair being like over uh, overdone and underdone at the same time yeah you need lots of regular haircuts and it looks shitty (laughs) yeah like you need lots of regular haircuts and the part that is cut short always looks like you are trying too hard with it but then the part that's long you're not trying hard enough on yeah you're doing both bad (laughs) things the back part's always all scraggly and like it needs conditioner and it's got split ends and stuff okay yeah, and yeah. also, or it's like a thick, like thicket of hair growing out the back of your head that's just like a big puff. <laughs> it, it's it, there's no way that it can look good. It, you need to have some kind of smooth, all over aesthetic choice. The thing that maybe yeah, really bothers smooth me more. all over aesthetic choice. Shave your um, head, no, everyone. Mr. Clean. Yeah, <laughs> accent with a golden head. earring. Shaved head is 100% better than mullet 100% of the time. Yes, Thank the thing you. that's maybe worse than mullets is how kids now, kids nowadays, fucking kids, kids these nowadays, days. Ugh, these kids. They will have a sort of sloppy mohawk where they've just got the sides of their heads shaved and they'll be like, yeah, this is a mullet. That's not a fucking mullet, you idiot. The mm. hair you have left is all the same length. Yeah. Ugh. This is the haircut that this Australian woman from Halloween Baking Contest Damn it. had. <laughs> yeah, it's all bad. Anyway, none of that shit in Lord of the Rings, thank God. There are mullets in Lord of the Rings. There are not! I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> and I would like to say that I think that movie, that set of movies, those, those three movies, have aged pretty well in terms of costumes and uh, special effects, which I was surprised by. Yeah. Have you guys seen them recently? I feel like they really have held up. I've only seen the first one. I own all of them, but I've never bothered to sit down and watch them because they're so long. I saw all three of them in theaters when they came out and have uh, not made any attempt to rewatch them since then. There's only a couple things that seem very dated to me, and this is 
so specific. It's when someone's moving in slow-mo, but it's not like smoothly slowed down. It's like little flashes of individual frames. Mm. And the thing is, I know these movies are filmed in the early 2000s. It is, to me, such a hallmark of early 2000s um, uh, music videos. That, that's all mm-hmm. I can think about when I see it. When someone's like, you know, dropping the ring or something and it's like slow motion, but it's all stutter. You're like, ah, fuck, this looks bad. It's kind of annoying because I feel like that happens a lot where something, a movie will will try out a technique or do something in an interesting way that is new at the time. But if it's popular enough, everyone will copy it badly and it will retroactively make the good thing bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever I watch it, like an older movie, and I see something that's been copied a thousand times, and I'm like, "Ugh, this trope again!" But I have to remind myself, like, "No, no, these guys." <laughs> like I just watched it a couple of weeks ago, the John Carpenter uh, dog murdering movie. <laughs> I what? guess is how I would describe it. You know about this? No. The the movie. Oh no, I'm. Th- I said it. I meant the thing. Oh. Oh yes. Okay. Yes, I do know what yes. you mean now. <clears throat> Um, the and movie. watching that movie, I was like, "Oh man, this is they're doing this trope again. They've got this this the nervous, awkward guy who's like no one can trust him, but they don't know if he's really an alien or if he's just weird." And then it's like, "Oh wait, no this this movie did that first. <laughs> Everyone else figured out that that was a good way to go and started doing it, but this was the yeah. origination of that." Something I was surprised about with the Lord of the Rings trilogy is I expected to know all of it without having ever seen it. And I did almost. But there mm. was one uh, plot point that I had no idea about. I've never seen anybody talk okay. about. We have to guess what this plot okay. point is. Jeff, are you familiar enough with the Lord of the Rings to help me guess? Yes, I've seen it ten more times in meme form than I have uh, in the films. Okay. Should I tell you which movie it's in? Oh, I want to take a guess. I don't think that would help me. Yeah, that wouldn't help me because I have not seen two of the movies. Okay. Is it the ghosts? Yes! At the end. (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha! Got it in one. (laughs) There are no memes or anything about that. About the army of ghosts that shows up? Yeah. Yeah! I mean, it's the po- It's the thing that everyone gets mad at the first time they read the books because it's such a Deus Ex Machina, like, yeah. oh shit, our unwinnable war has begun. Oh wait, I've got this ghost army I haven't mentioned before. <laughs> Guys, come yeah. help out. Yeah. I mean, that, that I think is a lot of, like, people make that complaint about the eagles as well. Yeah, but uh, I don't know what No, but you okay. know what? Those people should just take it easy. Uh, yeah, do. that's true. <laughs> but the I ghost army people—they're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the eagles. Uh, oh, I felt right. like the I way see. they're There's used. There's a band, right? That's yes. a song. Sorry. The way the giant <laughs> eagles are used in the movie, I felt like it's reasonable to suspect that they wouldn't do what you wanted all the time. So I was, mm. okay, I was okay with them not flying the eagles to Mount Doom or whatever. It made yeah, sense to I me. do think I do think that the idea that people have of oh well why don't they just fly the rings to mordor Mm -hmm. like there's lots of reasons why you wouldn't do that that don't that like to assume that you know the world better than gandalf the world Mm -hmm. that gandalf lives in better than him to make this world we're just living in it i agree (laughs) i agree so i don't know 
that reeks to me of know-it-all nerd culture of like, well, if I'd been there, then yeah. 9-11 wouldn't have happened yeah, or thanks, whatever. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Mark yeah, Wahlberg, exactly. the biggest nerd in the world. <laughs> yes. I, did, I will say in the movie, I did like about the ghost that uh, uh, Legolas tells Aragorn, mm-hmm. uh, these are the ghosts of, uh, or maybe Theodore. Christmas Pass. Anyway, not important. He says, these ghosts are trapped here because they were traitors and uh, cowards who abandoned the king's army when they swore to support it. And that's why they're here. They have horses. So that means those horses are also cowards. Traitors. traitors. I would bet (laughs) every horse in every army is just waiting for an opportunity to betray that army. Yeah, Yeah, horses are cowardly. Also, it's pretty fucked up that... uh, uh, Aragorn finds that horse that doesn't want to be saddled up to ride to war, and he said, Brigo, I think his name is, and he says, no, don't uh, send this horse to war. It's seen enough of war. It doesn't want to go. You'll have to turn it loose. So they do, and then that horse later comes back to Aragorn, and then he rides into every fucking battle after that. That poor horse didn't want to go to war anymore, they said. No, he did. He changed his mind. He went and saw the world and was like, you know what? Kind of sucks out there. It'd be nice to have a job. He's like that sad old man in Shawshank Redemption who has become so acclimated to prison that he can't do anything else. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, I see Um, Matt has controversially posted in our chat a picture of Frodo. Uh, this definitely is, has a mullet, yeah, 100%. This, this is the style of mullet that I like to see girls have. Gross. You shouldn't. <laughs> uh, I also would say this is not a mullet because it's not structured enough. That's my take on it. But look how short his little bangs are and how long the back of his head is. I will grant you it's a gray area, but I do not agree with you. This is the Gandalf, Gandalf the gray area? Yeah. Ooh. So uh, here's a question. And my viewing companions did not know the answer. What are the... Do you do you climb through the ranks of wizardry, like, gaining a black belt? Like, do you get up to the level of white by going through all the others? Or are some wizards just always, like, Radagast the brown? Is he just always going to be the brown? Yes. It's... I, I'm sure that our fans who are more into Lord of the Rings than I am will have... will know better than I. But as I understand it, there's like a number of stations of wizardry at varying levels of power and each one can only be held by one person. So there's always a brown wizard. And he's the worst one, right? (laughs) Yeah. And Radagast is the brown wizard pretty much for eternity. That's why they don't really go into it in the movie, I don't think. But the whole thing with Saruman Mm -hmm. being the white and then Gandalf dies and comes back and he's the white yeah is like that's why gandalf is like oh what the fuck like how am i the white wizard we already have uh, one. Oh, but it's because saruman yeah uh, the magic decided to send it to someone else huh <clears throat> yeah huh but he's still got his white robes and his uh, long flat iron hair mm, terrible yeah i don't think even he knows that he's lost the, yeah. the white wizard uh <laughs> title yet that's great. When Gandalf rolls up and he's like, oh, fuck. And then his uh, <laughs> staff explodes. Excellent. Yep. Yep. I also was uh, surprised that the Ents, they're so sad and they take forever to talk to those tree people. They say they mm-hmm. lost the Ent wives a long time ago. And Pippin says, I'm sorry they died. And he says, no, they didn't die. We just lost them. We never see them or anything. It really reeks <laughs> to me of that, like, 
those people who try to create dating sites for conservative men and yeah. they're like conservative women are out there we just can't find them like, yeah <laughs> Yeah, the Edwives leave because you guys suck. <laughs> the Ents are Republicans. I mean, they are old and love to talk for a long time. Uh, so, yeah, I recommend watching the movies, I guess. It's... Controversial mm, take. Yeah. That, I that feel like... these multiple award-winning movies are kind of good. Yeah, that the third I feel, one, well... I think, won more Oscars than any other movie in history. <laughs> That is a bad take for real Oscars. <laughs> I don't think it did, actually. Because Titanic and, what was it, Ben-Hur were tied. I don't think either any of the Lord of the Rings movies reached that level. I think the I think Return of the King was nominated for 11 and won 8, which is more, mm. is f- maybe, it's either fewer nominations but more wins or the uh. other way around, more nominations and fewer wins. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, which um, but is I crazy. Yeah. I recommend watching them all as close together as possible so you stay under that spell where you're not like, no one fucking talks like this because your be- your mm. brain is going to try to rebel. And then after mm. the movie, you're like, mm, yeah. Like that, it's good in its own bubble, but it's so mm-hmm. contrived that you have to be in there, then you have to leave. I don't want to watch a movie about wizards in a fantasy realm where people talk normal. Yeah. That's true. I but want them like, to talk like no one talks. But it's kind of like with Shakespeare. When after a while, someone asks a question and the other person's like, ah, first we must consider it. And you're like, fucking just answer the question. <laughs> I'm yeah. done with this now. No, I absolutely, like, Shakespeare, Lord of the Rings, same thing. I want someone to be like, Hamlet, how are you feeling? And then ten minutes later, <laughs> after delivering five individual poems on various topics of human existence he's just like not not great i'm yeah. doing poorly i think it's <sighs> the thing of it is i think that as long as it's consistently that like heightened yeah whatever in the world i can get on board with it the thing that makes me crazy is when there's like a character who ostensibly has every reason to support your hero, but when the hero's like, what's going on? And then the other character's like, he's coming soon. You have to watch out for him. Like, fucking tell me who you're talking about. (laughs) Describe them. Yeah. Don't be vague. You have no reason to be vague other than you, in this moment, you've suddenly adopted a weird, like, way of speaking. Yeah. Something that stuck out out to me also is, um, uh, new things being given like legendary names and no one being Ooh. like no let's uh let's workshop this a little bit like the elves give aragorn the isildur's sword i don't remember its name mm-hmm. that, it's uh oh i oh i know it hold on so like, you keep going i'll i'll get there okay uh so isildur destroyed his sword fighting sauron it's shattered into pieces the elves have kept all these pieces as relics they reforged the sword to give to Aragorn to help him defeat Sauron again. And when it's ha- handed over, Elrond's like, here's your new sword. And he's given it a new name. Mm-hmm. And no one's real? like, eh, should we give it a different name maybe? Which is what would absolutely happen in real life because nobody respects a legendary item with a new name. In real life, you can't just be like, my company is named this. Without people being like, are you sure? Maybe we should change that name though. <laughs> 
Yes. Narsil is the name of the sword before it's reforged, and it's Anduril afterwards, because Anduril is the flame of the West. Yeah, that's right. He says the flame of the West. And it's like, you don't get to just say that without people being like, that's corny. <laughs> Let's no, I, I love that. That's one of my favorite <laughs> things in A Song of Ice and Fire, is the like, oh, here's the broken sword, we've reforged it, now its name is Oathbreaker. <laughs> the thing that drives me crazy in the um the hobbit is that he finds a magical elven like dagger but it's big enough to be a sword for him because he's a small person and then gandalf comes along and is like oh i see you found a little uh sword there you're like a you're like a scorpion and that sword's like your sting mm-hmm. and then he just calls it sting Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, "Yeah, that's a fucking cool name for our sword. Uh, sword. Our name. Our swords are all named Glunfenfling, the the scourge of life itself. And yours is Sting. Mm-hmm. Like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? You Fra- can't do that. Frandwil, hell of the elfin, yeah. and yeah, Sting. Least, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. At least give it the name, like the." St- Call it Sting in Elvish, whatever the Elvish word for Sting is, so it at least sounds like the rest of them. Oh, very good. Anyway, Call it's funny it, uh, to pick apart, but it's an enjoyable set of movies. What are you going to say, Jeff? I'm trying to change. <laughs> Gordon, it. what is Sting's real name? Sumner. Sumner. Sumner, yeah, call it Gordon Sumner. There we go. Done. That would work. That would be good. Uh, so, Matt, what did you do this week? So I've been up to a lot because it's been a long time since we uh, last played, or played, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, played this, in the sandbox of game. our podcast. Yeah, guys. this yeah. is some real Lord of the Rings bullshit now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just want to, I'm going to mention a couple of things before I get into my main topic, just so that I, people will know that I've mentioned them. There's a new magic set that just came out. It's called... Um, uh, the Lost Caverns of Ixalan. It is based on Mesoamerican mythology. It's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I was That's getting ads for that in the in the app, but I haven't opened it up because I've had a very busy couple weeks. Yes. Um. You know, every time a new set comes out, it takes a while for people to figure out how it fits into the larger strategy. So we're still in that phase, but it's fun. And Mesoamerican mythology is a cool uh, thing to reference. So that's cool. Uh, I've also been playing Super Mario RPG, the remake that just came out. It's very good. Have you guys been playing this? No. no. I kind of want to get mm. Super Mario Brothers Wonder first and see how that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm all, I'm crazy for new experiences. Um, mm-hmm. I know I didn't beat the original Super Mario RPG and I don't have, nostal- I didn't, don't yeah. have nostalgia for it. I got stuck in like, who's that? Is Booster the name of the big sword? No, um, the sword is named. I don't remember the sword. But name. I'm pretty. I, I Anduril. Got st- what was that sword name a minute ago? Yeah, Narsil. <laughs> I couldn't even do a callback. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I got. I got stuck. No, you got it. Anduril was the reforged one. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, I got go. stuck going up a chandelier elevator doing like a boss rush. Um, oh right. That I think is maybe like two thirds or three quarters of the way through the game or something. Um, it's just weird to me because there's such a. an incentive to like power level in this game so uh, at every second of this game i'm you know 15 levels higher than everyone else that i'm (laughs) fighting even the bosses 
I I have I struggle a lot with a turn-based RPG where you have to time your button presses. I find that very tedious. But it's so much fun because it's the only way they've ever made like turn-based combat fun and interesting to do. I mean, it makes it moment-to-moment fun, but I'm more interested yeah. in turn-based combat being strategically complicated. That mm-hmm. that makes the turn-based aspect of it have a reason behind it because you like sit and consider what you're going to do because there's strategically like equally viable options yeah like do i want to use a potion do i want to swap pokemon which of the four moves do i want to use rather than here's my best attack and i have to make sure i hit the timing right which i understand is is also a form of thrilling engagement and gameplay but (laughs) not my fave yeah I like that. It can get... get the extra bonus if you're willing to pay attention, but you don't have to. Yeah, I do like in this one. I can't, I don't think it. This was the case in the older one, but in in this remake, oh, maybe it was in the older one too. Anyway, if you time the button press just right, in addition to doing your normal attack stronger, it does splash damage as well. So mm-hmm. you can maybe even you you can plan around. Oh, well, if I do this, as long as I get the splash damage, it'll kill that guy who's almost dead anyway, and then I could get a two-for-one kill, but I have to get the timing right, so is should I risk it? So that kind of stuff is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, those games were very really satisfying as an RPG. I say those games. Yeah. That game, I should say. And that game was very satisfying as an RPG. Yeah, I mean, I liked some of the Paper Mario ones, and I played a little bit of... Mario, Mario and Luigi, uh, Superstar Saga. That's the, the yeah, that's the first first GBA one. one, Yeah, yeah. I played a little bit of that one and thought it was fine. Yeah, I Um, liked those games. Okay. Yeah, so maybe I'll I'll give those a try. But the main thing I wanted to talk about is I just finished watching the Netflix series, uh, made by the guy who made a bunch of other things we've talked about on this show. The Fall of the House of Usher. Yeah, Aha! Mike Flanagan, King. Yeah, have you guys watched this series? No. Weirdly, not yet. It seems a little so, bit corny. I know it makes a lot of Poe references. It's extremely corny. <laughs> I was very shocked going into it because the other Mike Flanagan products have had a kind of cheesiness to them, but we're trying to say something fairly important about something fairly serious like the nature of trauma and like you know family dynamics and things like that what what it means to fall in love like the how religion relates to the the lives of normal people big important topics and this one is not trying to do that or is trying to do that but in like the most ham-fisted way yeah possible wasn't it like there's an evil they're all in a family that's rich because of an evil evil uh, pharmaceutical company like quote the raven Mm -hmm. pharmaceuticals or some bullshit right it's fortunato pharmaceuticals (laughs) there's literally at one point so carla gugino plays the devil this is not a spoiler she's in all of the promotional material and it's revealed in the first episode yeah but what about in this show Um, (laughs) yeah got her um her name is verna which is an anagram of raven so you know there you go um but she's like always having these conversations with people where she's like 
and one of my uh, my clients, who I won't name, said he could shoot someone on Fifth Street and not get arrested. Like, yeah, we get it. <laughs> Stop. Good stuff. And like, this. It, it's so much, like, rich people, rich characters saying things which in in universe is supposed to be them justifying their point of view but is so obviously commentary on the like moral turpitude of the rich but we all already know that the rich are are bankrupt mm-hmm. in in terms of their morality it Not just in terms of their that... money though well <laughs> yes exactly this that's the level of commentary in this show literally somebody <laughs> saying that that's what you need to expect going into this so like in that way it's very stupid but i do think it's quite clever in the way it references poe and does stuff that feels like it's interesting to see you know each episode is named after a different poe story so when you see oh this episode is called the black cat like Mm -hmm. how are they gonna make that story work in a modern setting with this guy who's like a video game mogul or whatever you know do what they I mean? do that because the way people have been talking about it it made me worry that it would seem like an anthology where they're telling each of these stories but they're just sort of mixing everything together in whatever the way they want and writing their own black mirror stories is it not that though it's not it's okay. actually quite um faithful each episode is quite faithful to the the story that it's lifting from okay what it is is the idea of it is i mean the it's a fairly stupid conceit but this guy who's the head of this pharmaceutical company um was like the bastard son of a very rich man and so he's like i promised myself that any of my children no matter who their mother was i would like welcome them as if they were my own so that's why he has such an ethnically diverse cast of children okay (laughs) because Um, he was really horny and got around yes which is a running gag in the show is that he is extremely horny um and so he has so many different children and each of the children is a different poe character that meets a tragic end so you've got one who's working on um, medical science for heart surgery, and Mm. obviously some things go badly for her. (laughs) Yeah. And you've got one who's like a... um, Arthur Pym of Nantucket. Yes, Arthur Pym is played by Mark Hamill. God damn it. Jesus, god damn it. (laughs) He's he's really good at it, too. Of course, yeah. He's an amazing actor. We wasted him. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, correct. But he does a good job, and he is... It, the thing that bums me out is Mike Flanagan does this thing where he really loves certain actors and he casts them in everything he does, which we all know we've seen it a million times. Such as his wife, who is not very good at acting. Well, this is the thing, is that he keeps put he loves actors regardless of their level of talent. And so you will see Mike Flanagan's wife, who always plays the, like, hyper-sexy woman oh in everything is so bad at acting and then she's trying to act alongside someone like mark hamill who is an incredible actor and you're like this is embarrassing for you actually (laughs) how are you not embarrassed that you are so much worse at this than this guy you're talking to Mm -hmm. 
I will say, she does make Henry Thomas look good. He is Which like... Henry Thomas? Uh, the kid from E.T. who is, like... He's okay in this. He, he's, he's gotten okay better in over all, the course of yeah. this. He's, like, okay is, in all I, of them. She is actively bad. He is okay. Her... Her best role is the movie uh, Hush, in which she plays a deaf character who doesn't have any speaking lines. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think that it's pretty cool The that... So each of these children is their own self-destructive Poe, you know, tragic character. But they do all interact with one another, so that's where I think, Louisa, you get that miasma of... Oh, it's this post story and that post story at the same time. Well, it's because it's happening to two different people, but they they are brother and sister, so they interact with each other. So okay. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think that from what, what I heard, much... fr- friends who enjoyed it, they really appreciated the references. Like they thought it was campy mm-hmm. and corny, but they liked yes. that, so they enjoyed it. Yeah, I think that that's pretty good. I think that it is much less nuanced than the other shows that he has done in terms of having something to say mm-hmm. but if you want a real dumb story where people get murdered <laughs> it's mm-hmm. fun it's funny okay um i like that he's good at both of those that he can do something where i'm like wow this is one of the most profound and moving meditations on the like nature of mental illness and trauma that i've ever seen and also he did that ouija prequel where the girl's mouth (laughs) opens real wide because a ghost comes out of it and that whips yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i think that he kind of has a little bit of the neil gaiman problem where i do think neil gaiman is genuinely talented at storytelling but also he is way too into whatever weird like fetish of nerd culture they have (laughs) You, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I think Neil Gaiman like has Neil... drunk drunk too much of his own his own uh, yes. sauce. Yeah, like Neil Gaiman will write a story that's actually pretty good, but then you you know get halfway through and you find the one character who's like a small girl in army boots who kicks ass and is like a hot topic model or whatever, and you're like, again, Neil Gaiman, come on. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, all of so. his characters are become death uh, from yeah. Sandman. <laughs> yeah, so I do like the that the this Follow the House of Usher show is um is very Final Destination-y, where like uh. these children are are destined to die, and so sometimes it's quite convoluted how they die, and that at first annoyed me, but eventually I came to think it was actually pretty cool. Okay. Uh, does the R&B singer Usher have a cameo? That's kind of fun. No, that would have been good. That would have been good. If one of his children is just Usher, the singer. That would be great, yeah. Um, one of the children just gets killed by smashing mirrors and until they cut her to pieces. Is that uh, supposed and... to be Murders of the Rue Morgue? No, it okay. is... Um, well, it's... The, her one is complicated because her episode is called Goldbug, but Goldbug, mm-hmm. the guy doesn't die. He actually ends up happy forever at the end. So yeah, I would weird. be happy if I was a Goldbug. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, that's interesting. The mirror shattering and cutting someone to pieces is also like how a bunch of people get killed in the Mike Flanagan movie Oculus. 
Mm, yes. Uh, which is about a haunted mirror, essentially. Yes. Um, maybe he... I don't know. Maybe he's got a mirrors thing. I mean, I think it's probably a reference to other Poe stuff. I will not claim to be a Poe expert, and there's probably... Knowing how Poe is, there's probably a, is a story where someone gets killed by a mirror breaking and yeah. killing them. You won't claim to be an expert Alan Poe? Mm-hmm, exactly. Is that anything? No. No. Mm. Expert Alan Greer. Now that would be something. <laughs> Everyone uh, Alan Greer. Anyway. That's true. Um, so yeah, that's on Netflix if you want to watch it. It's fine. I think it's probably the worst... Of the Mike Flanagan shows, but it's still pretty good. Okay. If you if you like dumb, convoluted stuff, it's fun. Uh, Jeff, what did you do this week? Um, I, God, I did have something to talk about. Oh, God, it's escaping me. What the hell? What did Was I do this week? Movies or TV? Oh yes, I just saw the new episode of Doctor Who yesterday. Oh, um, I'm, I I haven't watched it yet, but I intend to. Yeah, the 60th anniversary specials have started. They weirdly started like five days after the actual 60th anniversary. That might have been mm. for good taste because the uh, 60th anniversary of Doctor Who's premiere is also the 60th anniversary of John F. Kennedy being assassinated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was... That, blew my mind in the the like biopic about the creation of doctor who where they're like mm-hmm. it premiered the 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 show came out and was going to be a big success and then they turn on the news and they're like the american president has been assassinated today and they're like <laughs> no we're gonna get canceled ah <laughs> uh, great love that but it makes me remember the anniversary of doctor who because i know the day kennedy got assassinated mm-hmm. yeah uh which i only know because of the stephen king novel that the title is the day kennedy got assassinated 11 22 63 oh that's a time travel one right they made that into a series no one watched yeah Yeah. i didn't watch the series i liked the book quite a bit because it's it's very like (laughs) the premise have james franco in it yeah i feel like it had was it james franco it had somebody in it that was like wow you're usually in pretty dumb stuff buddy (laughs) is this gonna be a good movie yeah i don't know um I liked the book because it's got that kind of Stephen King thing of like, mm-hmm. there's about a clown that kills children. Yeah, there's a clown that kills that. kids. <laughs> yep. No, there's just like a little bit of magic in a small town, but it's mm-hmm. like someone's just incorporated it into their daily life rather than being like, huh, this is a little bit of magic in my small town. Mm-hmm. Um, like the local restaurateur just uses the time hole in the ba- in his backyard to like go by meat cheaper because it takes him to like the same spot in 1959 at the same time so he goes and buys like the same couple pounds of meat for like five cents a pound that's great Uh, you guys ever think that maybe magic is just real in coastal maine but no one talks (laughs) about it except for stephen king yeah maybe he's been trying to tell us for years Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're not listening there's clowns out here killing people. It's not an allegory for racism and homophobia. I mean, people, there's an actual clown. And people yep. talk to him like, uh, Mr. King, you're so good at writing horror fiction. And he's like, mm, what now? Fiction. Mm-hmm. Wait, he's where have they... What, what, what section of the bookstore have they been putting my books in? <laughs> yeah. Historical nonfiction is where I was I going thought I was for. working for the main uh, Gazette newspaper. What's happening? <laughs> 
Oh man, that's definitely the premise of some Stephen King story that someone yeah. thinks they're oh, chronicling real history and everyone else thinks it's fake. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, the new Doctor Who, pretty good. Okay. Uh, they don't get into any explanations yet fully for why uh, the David, David Tennant, Tennant face is back. is back, but they do provide yeah. um, a decent follow-up to uh, Donna Noble's story since we last saw her. Uh, it gets a little cringy in some parts, Uh-oh. but, like, good-spirited. Um, mm. Just the adventure part is good the social commentary part i'm like eh, mm. take it or leave it whatever is but the like doc- the- is the doctor himself surprised that he's turned back into david Tennant? yes okay. um he uh spends most of it anytime he meets someone who already knows him he's like i don't know why this face is back uh mm. i regenerated into this previous form and then the TARDIS landed me right next to Donna Noble, and that feels important, but I haven't figured out what's going on yet. Hmm. The thing that pisses me off about this is they did this already with Peter Capaldi, where Peter Capaldi was uh, played that like Roman uh, marble salesman in the Pompeii episode right. of Doctor Who, and then later on he regenerated into Peter Capaldi, and... The, like, they did a whole season where he was like, I don't understand why my body t- chose to regenerate into this face. It must be trying to tell me something. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting at home like, it's telling you that the people who are producers on Doctor Who are lazy. And they were like, we already know one good actor, so let's just have him do it. You know what I mean? Like, don't is... try to make it, don't try to make me feel like the the plot came first and then you were like, so I guess we have to figure out how to hire Peter Capaldi back. No, you hired <laughs> Peter Capaldi back, and now you're trying to figure out an in-universe explanation for your dumb decision. I'm fine with that. Uh, no, I, it's, I'm not. It's going back to the, um, they, they kind of seeded some of this in the 50th anniversary uh, special. Ooh. They had, like, Tom Baker make a, an appearance as an unnamed, like, museum curator and kind of, like, wink yeah. and nod that he's a future form of the Doctor um, and talk about how he'll revisit some some classic fan-favorite uh, faces. Uh, and this is now that finally happening, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's just like it could just as easily be like, uh, I don't know, this is a venture we didn't see before he regenerated into Matt Smith, and that would be fine too, um, because it's just it's just a fun, they adapt a like, Doctor Who comic from the 80s that uh, Dave Gibbons co-wrote, um, mm. co-creator of Watchmen, for those who don't know. Uh, Big-time big British comic book guy. He's done all sorts of Judge Dredd and Doctor Who and everything. Mm. Um, but... It's just, it's like a fun, tight little story, and then we get to catch up with with Donna and her family, um, despite the fact that Bernard Cribbins passed before, I think, before filming anything. They do make sure to mention that Wilf is alive. Wilf? The Donna's grandpa. Oh, yes, okay. The, everyone's the favorite companion. Wilf? Yeah, Wilf. I never saw Donna's grandpa, Donna Wilf. <laughs> Uh, okay. she was, was this short for Wilfred or something. Probably, I don't know what British people are up to. 
I um, know I can picture this the face of the man you're talking about. First of all, I did not like him as a companion, but second of all, I, I feel like I should remember if his name was fucking Wilf. I've never heard anyone <laughs> called Wilf before in my life. Wilfred Mott. Yeah, uh, Wilfred, yes, that makes sense. Wilf is nothing. It's the uh, sad picture of him saluting, looking sad. Yeah, that everyone's became a like, oh, be sad about the four knocks on the thing as, like, him he's dying and doctor who should save him and like doctor shoot doctor who should have let him die you know definitely yes i'll take your doctor who lets lots of people die yeah this is what i'm saying like you're really gonna sacrifice your own life to save this idiot when you just watched millions of people die in this whatever cyberman invasion uh anyway it gets a it's a it's a fun our episode if you want to just like if you're just like man the last couple seasons of doctor who were kind of mid let's let's get some good old-fashioned dumb sci-fi adventure with like thrills and quips and a little bit of emotion okay um do i need to so i watched the first season and maybe a couple episodes of the second with jody whittaker do i need to catch up on that stuff before i watch these do you think um, I don't think so. There's nothing in this first special that explicitly calls back to that, except referencing that the Doctor's previous form was a woman. Mm. Um, which you would already know from having seen marketing materials, even if you didn't <laughs> see any episodes. Yes. Um, but... Should I watch at least the one where she regenerates? Is that a good episode to to catch up with i watched that one and i don't really remember what happened in it besides <laughs> the fact that she regenerated into david tennant at the end and he was like what and i was like what and everyone on the internet was like what <laughs> yeah um but yeah doctor who's back baby for the first episodes of the year in <laughs> late november <laughs> uh they do their christmas special yeah, they're going to do uh, three 60th anniversaries, and then I forget whether they're doing a Christmas or a New Year, uh, mm. but presumably that will be the one where David Tennant regenerates into Shudi Gatwa. Um, Makes sense. Oh, that's what I'm so excited for. Part of why I want to watch these movies is to get me hype for Shudi Gatwa's version. Yeah. It's so cool. That fucking leather jacket, so cool. It's, I, I'm... Excited for Doctor Who in the first for the first time in a while because Russell T Davies I think is a good showrunner for it. I would like to have someone new running it. That would be great. But last two times somebody new ran it, it kind of got worse for a while. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. Um, but supposedly some of the like writers who are coming on board are being kind of uh, groomed to take over and they are people who wrote for sex education which is very well liked yes um that was a good show well written so that could be like russell t davies uh successor is someone who's trained for it from another tv show that everyone already likes I mean, it would be great to have a female showrunner on Doctor Who, considering the problematic treatment of female characters in Doctor Who in general. Yeah. Yeah, Russell T. Davies has uh, his issues. Um, the, yes. be- the, the, 
<laughs> the kindest thing I can say is at least he's not a straight guy. Yeah. Because then it would be worse. <laughs> yes, definitely. Although he still caters to the worst instincts of straight guys. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's get into news. Alrighty, so what we do on this show is mostly talk about our weeks, but we do at the end touch a little bit on uh, some news stories that we've decided to let the algorithm pick for us. We make sure to filter out anything important and only talk about dumb stuff. So today I have a news story for you guys I want to talk about, and the headline is Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is a ratings monster. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, that duh. could go either way, couldn't it? I know. Isn't it? <laughs> It's it's titillating. Mm-hmm. Um, the the upshot of this article is that the ratings increased six percent since last year. That's wild. It, is, it was the highest rated broadcast on NBC. Wow. Uh, this year. See, I don't get that. I didn't watch it. No one I know watched it. All I know is people, I watched it. All I know is people were saying there was a fucking NFT balloon in the Macy's Parade this year. Yeah. They didn't even build a balloon. They just put a QR code on a piece of paper. <laughs> um, I tend to prefer the um, the Dunkin' Donuts uh, Philadelphia Parade mm-hmm. as opposed to the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade in New York uh, because the New York Parade is too... Well done. Yes, all those fucking Broadway shows that have exactly, you know, 45 seconds to do everything possible to make you love that show. That really stresses me out. They've, like, rehearsed it a a trillion times. Mm -hmm. I love watching the Philadelphia Parade, how people fuck up a a lot. (laughs) Like, the normal amount, but Mm -hmm. it's great. It's so much... It reminds me of, like, small-town parade stuff so much better. (sighs) I am looking at this NFT balloon, and I'm disappointed because it's just kind of a generic-looking cartoon cat. I really wanted it to be one of those messed-up apes. Yeah, it should have been (laughs) an ape, Yeah, sure. I was sure it was going to be an ape, but no. No such luck. Mm. (sighs) Oh, well. Yeah. Um, The... The Philadelphia parade was very fun, though. We watched the whole thing. I like one of our Thanksgiving traditions is in the morning, I go out and get donuts, and then we sit and watch the Dunkin' Donuts parade all morning <laughs> till like one o'clock in the afternoon. It's great. <laughs> it um, good. But yeah, the village people were there. Pretty good. Nice. The Commodores, I think, did a thing. Oh, nice. Oh. Um, all Does 64 parade... of them? <laughs> Yeah. Does that parade also end with Santa bringing Christmas to town? It does. Interestingly, this year is the first time that I've seen where they split Mrs. Claus onto her own float instead uh-huh. of having her be in the sled with Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. She was like on a float that was like a gingerbread house making gingerbread cookies. That's cute. And yeah, I think that's good, right? Sure. I don't know. It's nice in a parade where um, there's lots of things to see. I'll never object to more floats. That's true. I liked that in the Macy's one, they had um, that actress from Abbott Elementary. What's her name? Tiffany Haddish. No. What's her name? I have no idea. Was Tiffany Haddish even on that? I don't know. I don't know who that is. I don't really either, but she's hosted like a million (laughs) cute cute reality shows, I think. Uh, Cheryl Lee Ralph is the actress I'm talking about. Mm. She is, uh, she was in 
like sister act two. She was a big Broadway person for a long time. Anyway, they had her playing Mrs. Claus in the the New York parade, and that was pretty cool. Oh, I know who that is. Okay, yeah, that's great. Yeah, she was really good too. She she was cute and like she has such a charismatic bearing about her mm-hmm. that you are just instantly like, oh, she's great. No matter what she's doing, she's great. So yeah, I I thought that was fun. I do like the big weird dance numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, Where it's I like really this lo- wish... local elementary school, they're all pretending to be uh, gingerbread men and half yes. of them don't know the dance steps. <laughs> yes, oh, that's great. When it's like, this is a dance troupe for like children who don't have a, a parent at home when they get home from school, so they come out and do dance instead. And like, it's like good, but not great. That's the that's what you want. That's the ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like the, uh uh-oh, what was I going to say? It's all gone now. All my apes gone. (laughs) (laughs) I've been hacked. Um, anyway, it's a fun parade to watch, uh, and I feel like we as a society don't all get together and yell about things except for bad things. Yeah. Generally. So seeing a crowd of people who probably there's some pretty problematic people in that crowd, but everyone's just happy about donuts for a morning. I, <laughs> I can get on board with that. Yeah. I feel like that's an underrated uh, part of uh, live sporting events. The fact that you get to cheer and boo really loud with everybody else mm-hmm. is important. Mm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And just to... Just to see people who are like <laughs> news anchor people having to comment for hours about the dumbest things mm-hmm. is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're so obviously drunk by the end of it. <laughs> oh, makes me so happy. It's very yeah. Also, Al Roker is always a good person to see doing stuff. Just being yeah, around. that's true. He kind of unsettles me. He's a bit strange, but he's very good at keeping a flow of conversation going about nothing. Yeah. Oh, I remember what I was going to say before. I wish... I wish that there was some way in which the Mummers could become an unproblematic version of themselves. Yeah. I think it's fun dressing up in a dumb outfit and, like, dancing around in a real goofy way. Mm -hmm. I think that's fun. But, man, they're so sexist and racist in, like, their bones, in the DNA of the thing. And I don't think you could ever get out of it, but I wish they could. I know. It's so fucked up. Yep. Ugh. Yeah. Damn shame. Damn shame. It is. Um, but it does kind of sometimes give me f- bad flashbacks to being in marching band <laughs> in high school, uh-huh. having to do parades. Jeff, I know you were in marching band too. Correct. Did you enjoy parades or did you hate them like I did? Um, We didn't do that many parades, but uh, they weren't as thrilling as competition because we had to march so much more slowly. Mm. Uh, yeah. We did so many parades. We were in the Macy's Parade once when I was in high school. Oh. It was uh, very cold and unpleasant, and I don't know why they make people do it. Yeah, that was the main thing about parades, is too cold. Yeah. Oh, man. So many times people would get their lips frozen to their trumpets, <laughs> and it's just like, this can't be what we should be doing with our children, <laughs> right? <laughs> You gotta sacrifice some children or you won't have a good harvest season. Yeah, yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah, that's true. If we don't do the lottery, we won't have a good harvest. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, Louisa, what's your news story? Mine is just small and cute. Apparently, mm-hmm. the uh, w- single uh, uh, video game savant man behind Stardew Valley, Eric Barone. Oh, yes. Yep. Uh, has signed a deal to g- make some merchandise for the oh. game. And what it is, is Junimo pillows. <laughs> Oh, cute. So you can get one of four colors, and these are the little uh, sprites, gnomes. What are they called in the game? Are they just called Junimos? Spirits, I think they're called. Okay. So they're little round, squishy uh, blobs that have eyes and pink cheeks and little tiny stick arms and legs and a leaf on their head. Hmm. And you can get it in one of four colors, and that's very cute. I, I have been consistently impressed with the merchandising for um stardew valley i got the board game and i expected it to be kind of throwaway, just a cash grab but it's really good at recreating the game mechanics in a board game yeah i think he's in a really nice position where he gets to make all the decisions himself because he doesn't have to ask other people about them and he seems like a very introverted person so he doesn't have to like try to get on his grind to get more and more famous so he can just choose the products that he thinks might be good yes agreed i think it's it's like such a good thing that for the world that he got hugely successful with his uh game and is just using that to pay to make a new game and like focus on it i think that's so rare but yeah we are all blessed that that is what's happening. And that he continues to update Stardew Valley. Yeah. yeah that's it's wild to me that he said he's probably going to be done Haunted Chocolatier within the next year or so, but mm-hmm. he has been still consistently updating Stardew Valley. <laughs> yeah. How does he do it? How does he do both? Yeah, I wonder about that. I wonder how much of it is already having the Stardew Valley stuff all coded. Like, maybe it's easy for him to make cosmetic changes or add, like, small things i don't know i don't know anything about that but maybe it's yeah that a... feels that feels reasonable like it would be easier to add to an existing game than to build a new one from scratch yeah like i remember um terry pratchett once said when he was writing a new book when he was in the thick of a first draft he had to also have an older book he was polishing up that was gonna be Ooh. ready to be published he had to work that way because he needed both those kinds of creativity at all times. So maybe this is like trying to figure out how to code this totally new game, but then maybe it's fun to work on a new selection of winter hats for people in Stardew Valley for a while, you know? Yeah, like it's almost a break from the hard work. Yeah. Still, I mean, I agree, but still, like, I'm very impressed that he has the amount of time in the day to get it all done. I'm impressed he can look at his old work and be like, yeah, this is good, and I can think of some improvements and not just feel a lot of self-loathing about it like I do when I look yes. at old projects. <laughs> yes, agreed. Like, this is garbage, and I didn't know what I was thinking when I made it. Ugh. Yep. Very good for him. Yeah, I... I think that if I were to ever make a video game that got popular, it would drive me insane. Yeah, absolutely. And the number of people who would be shitting all over it and like, should I change it? Should I fix it? Should I not? I ugh, yeah. I wouldn't be able to handle it. And the thing is, when he started to get, uh, you know, even modestly successful, I'm uh, speculating about his life, but there probably was a point where he was starting to make a few thousand dollars 
And he was starting to feel like, oh, maybe I could quit my job and do this. There's probably a point around there where some company was like, hey, sell us this thing for, I don't know, $100,000 or whatever. Just do that. There must have been if uh, there must have been a moment where he's like, should I just do this? And I'm afraid yeah. I would have done that. I would have been like, yeah. I definitely would have done <laughs> yeah. that, yes. I would have absolutely ruined the game that I was making in order to not have to worry about money for a while. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's what happened with Wordle, right? New York Times was like, we'll buy it. And yeah. the yeah. guy who made it was like, yeah, sure, sounds good. Yep. You need money. I'm not going to make any money from it otherwise. Yeah, that's yeah, the problem. And the the desire to get out of it once you've gotten into it, mm-hmm. I can completely understand. Yeah. So anyway, this uh, line of pillows is very cute. What's surprising is this was announced just a couple days ago. This is actual news. I thought it was being announced like, here you go. It's holiday shopping time, but they're not coming out until the spring. So that's pretty weird. Yeah, November just seems like on the holiday. November seems like a bad time to uh, announce a new product that will mm-hmm. not be available for sale immediately. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I showed you guys the link if you wanted to see it, but uh, they're yeah, pretty, pretty simple, that. squishy pillows. Yeah, They'd be looking. good Easter presents. That's true. Just saying. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, Jeff, what is... Do Easter presents? Sorry. I mean, uh, they put stuff in Jesus. a basket. It, it would be a good thing to put in a large Easter basket because it would take up a lot of space. That's true. And I feel like people now are more conscious of just giving candy to their children Mm -hmm. wholesale. So I feel like people do want something that your kid will not complain about and takes up a lot of space, but isn't going to give them diabetes. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, what is Jeff sharing with us? Is Jeff sharing us oh, yeah, the I'm menu sh- sorry, from the Titanic? I, I, hit, I hit enter early, but this is my news story. You <laughs> well, have to tune into it. I was about to throw it off to you, and I will say, uh, this is a fun uh, Stardew Valley thing, but Jeff, what is your news story? Uh, I saw a news story about the last surviving first-class menu from the Titanic being mm-hmm. sold at auction. I've include, included an image of it in our chat. Um... I'm gonna need the help of of our our chef chef pilled cook brain people here uh, <laughs> in trying to decipher what some of these items are. Yes. Um. So to start, we've got hors d'oeuvre varies oysters. That seems pretty self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's gonna be oysters. Yep. yep. Uh, which is strange that it doesn't tell you how those are going to be served. but In know. a variety of ways, hence varies. Hmm? A variety of oysters. Uh, you think, com- usually, though, they say, like, oysters in the Parisian style or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, Consommé Renaissance. Yeah. Consommé What's is that? A, consommé is a clear soup that's made of bo- yeah. bone stock. I do not know what Renaissance Consommé is. It's um, when it's made from baby's bones. Oh no! <laughs> They're not supposed so to horrible. do that. <laughs> oh god! I'm, I'm trying to find consomme renaissance, and Google's just like, "You surely didn't mean to put renaissance in there, right?" <laughs> the Here's consomme. Oh, I know the, what it is. The thing you, about you know, go on. Go ahead. No, you go. I was going to do a bad joke. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, the thing about um, classic, especially French cooking, is a lot of times a recipe will be like, this will be consomme something else. Uh, 
If you put a one teaspoon of brandy into it, then it's Kazume Renaissance. Like, it gets a whole new name, and it's kind of fucked up. Mm. What were you going to say? I was going to say, you know when you go to the Renaissance Fair, yeah. and they have that, that, soup, that soup that's just, like, vegetable, like, mm-hmm. chunky vegetable soup, and it's the only vegetarian option? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's probably Kazume Renaissance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I sense. found a recipe here. Uh, it's chicken consomme, and in it goes veal stock, string beans, flour, mm-hmm. eggs, peas, turnips, nutmeg, chervil, mm-hmm. cauliflower, carrots, asparagus, mushroom trimmings, mm-hmm. white pepper, and clarified butter. So, is this all cooked together and then strained so that you would serve the consomme? Because consomme is usually served as just liquid in a bowl. There's nothing else in it. Mm, yeah. interesting yeah maybe yeah. Um, it would be hard to get that clear though i would think yeah I mean, it's I you think know so it's too. translucent i don't think it's like uh i don't think it has to be like white clear it usually no, is mean, for it, consomme it's usually a color but it is completely see-through like you can see the bottom of the bowl yeah. you usually mix eggs into it so that the eggs will attach to all the impurities and then you strain out the eggs yeah, I, that's so cool. The first time I made consomme and I realized that it's like a molecular sieve where mm-hmm. you grind up the eggshells in with the eggs and then the calcium uh, attracts the particulate matter. So cool. So interesting that people figured that out. I'm um, intrigued by creme d'asperge, which I believe is cream of asparagus. And I don't know if they mean that as a soup or asparagus served with a cream sauce. Yeah, I'm wondering or if they maybe just grind up all the asparagus and then they get the cream. Out. <laughs> Gross. I wonder if maybe these are the two soup options. Mm, that might that be true. Yeah. Um, then, and then the fish course. Yeah, oh, sorry, salmon with hollandaise, uh, mm-hmm. white bait, all one word. I don't know what that means or if it's, re- it's a like fish. Just a kind of fish as well. It is a kind okay. Of fish, yes. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, tornadoes of beef, a la Victoria, or tor- <laughs> tornados? I don't know. Yes, tornadoes are just rounds because it's like okay. something that turns. So you've got a like a Chateaubriand or something. If you were going to cut a filet mignon, that would be a tornado. I don't know if it okay. is filet though. It might be a different cut. Uh, what is a la Victoria? Uh, that would be. It would be something, I'm guessing, that would be um, associated with Queen Victoria. That doesn't mean that's historically accurate, but it means that in 1912, people would assume that it was. So it's probably some type of English preparation, and I don't know. It probably has a brown gravy, I would think. There was a tidbit about um, sausage baking, which is something that I'm interested in and do sometimes, Mm -hmm. where people were saying that Queen Victoria didn't like having ground meat, and so she would insist that all of the sausages that she had were, like, hand-chopped little chunks of meat instead of ground up. Mm -hmm. And so when you make a sausage uh, with non-ground meat, it's just chopped meat, uh, they say that that's sausage a la Victoria. Mm, Yes. I don't know that that's related to this, but I do think that that's gross and (laughs) stupid. It's just chunky. Just a, a country sausage, right? I don't want Why? <laughs> why bother to have sausage then? Sausage is ground up meat in a thing. <laughs> you just, you're not doing it. I like all sausages. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But not, not chopped meat in a, <laughs> in an intestine. 
Why? It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I found one recipe which seems to be uh, rounds of beef prepared with, like, fried bananas. What? And some kind of sauce with it. That's Elvis, not Victoria. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my mistake. That's beef a la, beef a la Presley. Yeah. Yep. Um, oh, next thing on the menu, squab a la Godard. Yeah, what I is squab? What... Is that bird? That's a small yes. chicken. I don't know what that preparation is, though. I wish I knew more about the philosopher. Oh, right. <laughs> Godard, so I could make a joke here. Hold on, I'm looking it up. I, I wish you... everyone uh, knew more about him so that you could make this joke here. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is, of course, as we all know, a squab that invented liquid rocket fuel. Ha, <laughs> got him. Joke over. <laughs> what if it was a, chick- a chicken in a, a pool of liquid rocket fuel? <laughs> that would be pretty good, probably. Yeah. I mean, it would be less dangerous than taking a ride on the Titanic. Yes, that's Got true. Him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, liquid rocket fuel, if it was just on a plate, would, like, evaporate super quickly, right? Isn't the whole thing that it's so volatile? That, it mm. just that sounds like molecular gastronomy to me. Mm, yeah. Uh, and then you get super high off of the fumes <laughs> from your rocket fuel evaporating, and it makes that squab taste so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, oh gosh, I have no idea. So the next couple things are seemingly normal. Spring lamb yeah. with mint sauce. Mm-hmm. Roast Gross. chicken with bread sauce. That's stuffing. Good. That's stuffing as we would know it now. Okay, because I can googled we, bread we... sauce, and it looks like... Yeah, sometimes uh, it's a little thinner, gruel. although it's often... Often just a, a stuffing. I see. Can we real quick talk about why people put mint sauce with lamb, which is so gross to me. If it, I remember when we If it's oh, good go mint though. I don't think it's good even then. Uh, I I think that mint has its place and it's a it's a shame that we what we've done to mint <laughs> because we associate it with like toothpaste. cleaning products yeah. and toothpaste and stuff. Yeah. It it makes it so that, you know, a salad with mint leaves in it could be good, but you your brain immediately goes there. And I get that. I just don't think mint sauce is a good complement to lamb, and everyone in history feels the opposite for some reason. I like it if it's more like a chimichurri, which is uh, yeah, ground- herbaceous yeah. is good. Ground up parsley, uh, garlic, and vinegar. If you do that with mint instead, that is very nice with lamb. But I, don't know. Lamb- I remember when we mint- were kids, yeah. there was a there was a uh, diner near the church we went to, mm-hmm. and we would go there after church sometimes, and there would be mint uh, lamb with mint jello. Yes. And I, that's crazy. Have nightmares <laughs> about that to this day. Legitimately, what the fuck? You can't serve Jello as a side for meat. Yeah, you can if you're a weird diner. That, that's the hallmark yeah. of weird diners, really. Yeah, there's I mean, always room it for was, it. It was the '80s, so I guess. <laughs> I do. I, don't know. I do like the next item on the list is sirloin of beef with horseradish cream. Totally understandable. They did Very misspell normal. sirloin. And that's now in the historical mm-hmm. record, isn't it? Yeah. You misspelled Sir, Sir, sirloin. Sirloin of beef. <laughs> um, and that's the that is the biggest mistake anyone made on the Titanic. <laughs> I think we can all agree. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, green peas, pureed parsnips, great. Boiled rice, uh, option between boiled potatoes or uh, potato uh, palms anna, uh, mm-hmm. which is like sort of a potatoes with butter in a casserole type dish. So good. Scalloped, really thin, delicious. Yeah, scalloped. That's the word I was looking for. Um, mallard with port wine sauce. Sounds good. Victoria, mm-hmm. these are the desserts. What's Victoria pudding? I think it's like plum pudding, like your standish, standard English pudding. Is it that, like, crazy one that had stuff from all over the empire? I don't. You know what I'm talking about? I do. I think that's like... coronation pudding, though. I might be wrong. Mm. Uh, oh, Victoria pudding looks to be a uh, sponge cake sandwich thingy. It's like cream oh, like and Victoria berry. Victoria sponge? Mm, Maybe not. I don't that's not what I'm seeing. It look it's more like a boiled pudding, like a Christmas mm. pudding type oh, yeah, of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, it was just hard to get a I searched Victoria pudding and it showed me Victoria sponge. Mm. Um, it's got uh raisins, currants, sultanas, mm-hmm. prunes, mm-hmm. citrus peels, almonds, and then a bunch of spices. Yeah. Apricots bordeloo. Very nice. I don't know what it is, but it sounds great. I love apricots. <laughs> Good name. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. Uh, and then Petit's Mocha. Yeah, coffee flavor. A little I'm coffee. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it might be like Petit Four. It might be tiny cakes that are coffee flavored. Oh. But I'm just guessing. Yeah, that makes sense that it would be Petit's Four. Okay. Uh, and then French ice cream. Um, all right, what are we ordering? What's your order on the Titanic in first class, Matt? Uh,. No oysters to start, please. I do want to try this Renaissance consomme, just to know. Yeah. I don't think turnips are good in a soup, though. I like it. It always ends up tasting weird. Like turnips? Yeah, like turnips. <laughs> um, I would definitely do the salmon hollandaise over the white bait. I think we can all agree on that one. Uh, and then, I don't know, maybe I would try this... Uh, the, tornadoes of beef sound interesting it's kind of hard to tell where um each course ends here's the thing um it it is possible that we're looking at this like a modern menu where you would choose like an item for the fish course but it is also possible everyone was served all of these things yeah yeah that's true um i would would definitely want to have these anna potatoes which Mm, i don't know that i've had before i mean i've seen pictures but i don't think i've ever tried it Mm -hmm. If I'm going down this like a modern menu, it's got to be, um, I'm skipping the oysters and I'm getting that consomme renaissance. Uh, yeah. I'll ask the waiter what squab a la Godar is, mm-hmm. uh, and if it sounds good, I'll get it, but otherwise I'll go for the roast chicken with bread sauce, mm-hmm. get me some parsnips and Anna potatoes, or, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, that, forgot- that duck there sounds real yeah. good. <laughs> The duck under the potatoes is what's confusing me, because I would definitely have gone duck, but it's not listed with the entrees. Is this a dessert duck? It See, does come with ma- a port wine. That's yeah. what's making me think they're just separate courses. All of these courses would yeah. probably be like, I don't know, four to six ounces of food. That's the thing. It's family if, style. If you were to eat all of them. Yeah. Yeah, they just had they just put barn doors on sawhorses on the Titanic and serve people um, at one big table. Yep. Yeah, for it's first class meaning it's the lowest class. This is what they were eating in steerage where everybody drowned. Yeah. Uh, man. man, it's very it's very interesting to see how 
like Louisa said, it does have a look of a modern menu to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, there would be directions on how to order if it were modern, but... Oh, yeah, like, I've, choose one? Yeah. Yeah, like, I've yeah. seen menus that are laid out like this. Where's and the they're... kids' menu? That's what I want to know. <laughs> that's French ice cream. Mm-hmm. It's a petit smoker. Uh, you get... Mm. That's coffee for children, is what that <laughs> translates to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would probably be my favorite kind of coffee, because I love a lot of cream and sugar in my coffee. Oh, same. <laughs> Like a sweetened flavored coffee. I like that you can see. I know on that this you image. like blueberry with cinnamon creamer in. Yeah, that's my favorite. It's your little secret. Yep. I like right above the date. You can see a slight imprint of the Titanic letterhead HMS yeah. Titanic yeah. on the image. You think that's a watermark? There's also a watermark just below the flag at the top of it that looks like it's a maybe mm-hmm. the the printer's logo or something. Yeah, that's all. It's all very fun. This is a fun peek into the past. Yep. Yep. Um, when did when did the last Titanic survivor die? Probably over ten years ago, right? There was probably like a baby so. that survived and lived to be a hundred. Yeah, I think it was not that long ago, but yeah, it's somewhere in the last ten years sounds about right. Um. Anyway, that's all I've got. Uh, did every everybody went through their newses? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Sweet. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. If you liked it, please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. And please tell your friends about the show so we can continue to grow. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at HackTheNetPod. Or you can message us on social media to join our Discord. And then you can talk to us directly and have chats about what we talked about on the show. In order to get an invite, all you need to do is message one of us. You can find me on Mastodon. That's not what I say. (laughs) Uh, you can find me on Blue Sky at Matt Heron. I mean, you can find me on Mastodon at Matt Heron mm. at Mastodon.online, but I don't really check that. I don't really check Blue Sky either. I'm not really around, but if you message me directly, I think I get a notification <laughs> and then I can help you. Nice. Good work. Yep. Uh, I'm also not really on social media much. I'm Jeff JK on Letterboxd and Instagram and Steam if you want to add me there. Um, one last fun fact to leave you with this meal did get to be cooked and eaten on the titanic because it is from april 11th and the titanic did not strike uh strike strike its iceberg until the 15th Mm -hmm. uh that's all pretty good uh you can talk to me on social media i am on there all the time and i'm louisa at mastodon.xyz all right well thanks everyone for listening to the show. Please come back next week, but in the meantime, don't forget to keep your pockets on track. Don't read the comments. I'm the best around. on the sauce on a couple of those topics we were talking the about bread them. sauce yeah sauce. and after after a while i was like wow we've been talking about this one thing for like 20 minutes <laughs> yeah i don't mind that yeah it's probably okay i still think we could probably make the show a lot shorter if we you know tried yeah. well 